0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Tell It It Is Podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Griffin Youngs, and ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we have the news that we have been waiting for. The NHL is officially coming back. Within an hour of this podcast being recorded. The NHL Public Relations has put out a tweet stating that the NHLPA and NHL have announced an agreement to play a 2020-2021 regular season with a schedule of 56 games beginning on Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. And it has been a long two months since the Stanley Cup was handed out to Tampa Bay and Edmonton during the bubble playoffs Seemed like everything was gonna go fine at first, then as we started to get into the the doldrums of the off season, lots of concerns started to pop up, especially with the financial issues and the owners not really willing to abide by the new CBA. They just signed in the summer, leading to a whole fallout and understandably the Players Association being upset, but they worked their way through it. They're gonna keep that same agreement And now they have finally worked out the details of how they are going to play this upcoming season. We have the realigned Divisions, the North Division, basically the Canadian Division, the West Division, where the Avalanche will be playing, the Central Division, which is where the Avalanche would be normally, but not this year, and the East Division. Avalanche would be in the West Division, as I just said, with the Anaheim Ducks, the Arizona Coyotes, the Los Angeles Kings, the Minnesota Wild, the San Jose Sharks, the St. Louis Blues, and the Vegas Golden Knights. It is a little different from the last episode because last episode, the Dallas Stars were in that division with us, but the NHL has moved them to that central division and placed Minnesota in this division instead. And we can look at the Canadian division, Calgary, edmonton montreal ottawa toronto vancouver and winnipeg those should be some very fun games central division which kind of seems like the most mishmashed of all of them you have carolina chicago columbus dallas detroit florida nashville and tampa bay i mean it's somewhat aligned but that is all over the map pretty much and then finally the east division of boston buffalo new jersey new york islanders new york rangers philadelphia pittsburgh and washington now the catch with these divisions as i'm sure most of you are aware is that you only will be playing teams within your division so all the teams i just mentioned in the west those are all the teams that the avalanche are going to be playing this season and they will play them eight times that's eight times for the ducks eight times for the coyotes eight times for the kings eight times for the wild eight times for the sharks eight times for the blues and eight times for the golden knights now obviously this is going to be a much different division than what the avalanche are used to they're almost being realigned to the pacific division except they're bringing Minnesota and St. Louis with them, but they'll be missing Chicago, Dallas, Nashville, and Winnipeg, so more than half of that division will not be in that same division with Colorado, but still some very intriguing matchups, especially Vegas and St. Louis. Still, I mean, San Jose, they've fallen off since that last playoff matchup, but I'm sure there's still something there. Most of that group is still there from that 2019 series. And, I mean, like I said last episode, I'm a, li- I'm a little disappointed that Dallas got moved. I think that makes the division just not as interesting. I mean, nothing against Minnesota, but Dallas is... They're just a better team, and they'd be a lot more entertaining for the Avalanche to play. I mean, obviously the playoff series last year, but... And you also, like I said last episode, you have that weak bottom four in the division of the Ducks, the Coyotes the Sharks and the Kings, and Minnesota, while they're a tier above those weaker teams, they're still not on the tier of Dallas, and as always, practically in the middle of the league. So I get why they did it. They're looking more at location. Even still, you can argue that maybe Dallas would be better location-wise. Either way, some that's just semantics at that point, Dallas would have been better to have in that division. Would have led to much more interesting matchups. Playoff rematch with Colorado. Playoff rematch with Vegas. St. Louis has played them a bunch in the playoffs recently. Just kind of just kind of, seems like a waste to throw Dallas in with really no teams that would be overly interesting. I mean, playing Tampa Bay in a Stanley Cup final rematch eight times will be very interesting. We've never seen anything like that. And playing Chicago, who is like a semi-rival for them, would be interesting. But I mean, there's nothing between Carolina and Dallas or Columbus, especially not Detroit. I mean, good for Dallas getting to play Detroit eight times this year, but just not as interesting to me. And looking back at that West division with Colorado, still some very good matchups. I'd say the, the two I'd be most excited for would obviously be The matchups against Vegas and St. Louis, I mean, you can make the argument, like I said last episode, that Colorado and Vegas are two of the top three teams in the league, and to see them play each other potentially well, will be eight times this season. That will be a treat. And St. Louis, I feel like if last season went on the way that it would have naturally finished last year, we could have potentially seen a playoff series between Colorado and St. Louis, I feel like there's a, there's a rivalry waiting to burst there that just hasn't fully been realized yet. But I think with an eight-game regular season series and the potential for a playoff matchup with this new playoff format that I will get to in a second, that you'll start to see some things boil over with this team. But this new playoff format, this is where this season... Starts to get pretty interesting to me. So the usual playoff format, top three seeds in the divisions make it with two wild cards in each conference. This time, it will be obviously the top four teams in each division. They will play each other in the playoffs, no wild cards. First seed plays the four seed, second seed plays the third seed. Pretty standard stuff, easy to understand until this is to me the most interesting part you get to what would now be called the stanley cup semi-final round because now there are no conferences because everything is just kind of messed up at the moment so there's no east and west so for the step for the semifinal, you'd have a 1v4 and a 2v3 of the remaining teams So what that means is you could potentially see teams in the same conference or even the same division in a normal season play each other in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, obviously that won't mean the Capitals or Penguins will play each other and there won't be an Avalanche Vegas Stanley Cup final or an Avalanche blues Stanley Cup final, but it does open the door to some very, very, very interesting potential matchups. Like let's just for the sake of conversation say that Boston and Toronto meet in the Stanley Cup final or Boston Montreal for that matter i mean could you even imagine how exciting a series like that would be and just and just imagine that at that point in july that fans are allowed back in the stadium that would be some of the most fun i'd think we have ever seen the stanley cup playoffs i really really hope something like that happens i mean the odds are against it odds are you'll see just a random matchup like you do in the stanley cup final every year but just the fact that something like that is even a possibility makes this format very interesting to follow and like let's say for the avalanche sake what are some interesting matchups that could happen there if they would happen to advance to the stanley cup final i mean there's the possibility of playing dallas in the stanley cup final having a rematch of that series from last season that would that would be really fun honestly or even maybe a series against nashville for that matter or if there's a miracle Chicago which I highly doubt but I guess weirder things have happened maybe I don't know that would that's pretty out there I completely take that back actually that's not going to happen Chicago advancing to the Stanley Cup final would be insane that's not going to happen and I mean no offense to Chicago but I I think they know that I think they know this team is not going to the Stanley Cup final they're not really even going to make the playoffs. They don't have a goalie, and that's kind of the point. They're rebuilding, as they said in their letter, even though they're not trading any of their good players, but they just classified this as a rebuild for some reason. But anyway, regardless, moving on. I think for one season, this is a very interesting setup, especially since the NHL had their hand forced to pretty much make that Canadian division and limit travel as much as possible. I think they did a pretty good job here. I mean, obviously some divisions are better than others. That East division is crazy. Washington, Pittsburgh, eight times a year, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, eight times a year, the Rangers and Islanders eight times a year. I mean, even, even some of the more boring matchups, like, buffalo playing new york eight times a year that'll be interesting and boston playing washington like just because they haven't been in the same division before recently doesn't mean there's nothing there those guys don't like each other they don't like philadelphia they don't like pittsburgh those matchups will definitely have some juice behind them and if you look at that like top five top four in that division like i can't i can't tell you a winner off the top of my head that's going to be a very close division and then you look more at the central division, you're like, yeah, Tampa Bay is going to win that probably in a walk unless Dallas turns out to have a much better regular season than they did last year. Carolina's leaps and bounds above most of those teams behind them. It's more in the the edges of that division. It gets interesting. Columbus, Nashville. We'll see if Florida has anything, but most of those matchups, especially against Detroit will end up being a throwaway. I mean, I mean, you want, you want to watch some fun hockey, let's watch Chicago play Detroit eight times a year. I mean, there's going to be some clunkers. Those are going to be clunkers. At least there's some playoff history there. The West Division for Colorado, pretty interesting. The high-end matchups are fantastic. Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, but then you have... Honestly, a bunch of clunkers. I mean, Arizona, Minnesota, those are not going to be very interesting. I mean, and the Battles of California, those would be interesting if this was five years ago, but all of those teams are bottoming out right now, trying to rebuild from the ground up. Just not not the right time for them to be playing eight times a year, but there'll there'll still be some juice behind those matchups. They still don't like each other. And then... You got the North division, the Canadian division, where you're going to have Calgary-Edmonton 10 times a year because the Canadian teams are going to be playing each other 10 times each. The Battle of Alberta 10 times this season alone makes that division worth it. And that's not even factoring in matchups like the Leafs and Habs playing 10 times a year. I mean, a lot of the Canadian matchups are just inherently interesting. But there are s- seeing these 10 times a year is going to be something very, very special. Especially if it does end up being you play the same team maybe two, three, four times in a row before you hit the road again. Maybe a bunch of home-and-home series. Like little, little playoff series like you would normally see in baseball. Especially for this Canadian division. That could be a lot of fun. Like, Edmonton-Toronto would just be for one entire week, three matchups. That would be a lot of fun to watch. But I think it's time to move on and look at some of the other details of how they're going to play this season. Training camps for the 24 teams that made the expanded playoffs will begin on January 3rd. And for the teams that missed the expanded playoffs, their training camps will begin a few days earlier on December 31st, New Year's Eve. There will be no preseason this season. They're just gonna jump right into the action with the regular season. No point wasting time for tryouts and meaningless games. I mean, so you gotta sacrifice something and I don't think anyone's gonna be mourning the loss of the preseason all that much, especially when you can get the regular season started sooner and eventually wrap the season up as soon as you can so you can start the 2021-22 season on time hopefully in maybe October and if they have to go any further November but I doubt they would want to go any further than early November and they got to complete the season before the Olympics start because NBC is not going to be playing the Stanley Cup playoffs over the Olympics I mean that's just a given so they're going to It's good there's going to be no preseason, no one's going to miss it, jump right into the action, everyone's hungry for hockey, no tryouts, let's just get right to the good stuff. NHLPR announced where will games be played this season? Well, they will be played in teams' home arenas, and most of the arenas will not, and at least in the initial part of the season, be able to host fans. Obviously, that could change if things get better in North America, but for the very least in the beginning and quite possibly the whole season, there will be no fans. This is also very interesting. The league will be prepared to play games in one or more neutral site venues per division should it become necessary. So, possibility of another bubble not ruled out quite yet. If things get much worse and they that there's outbreaks in teams and everything, and they've got to pause a season to get it under control. I think you could see another bubble to finish out a regular season, or even for the playoffs for that matter, if they're just not sure at that point. But it's good to see they have some kind of insurance policy, and I think players will appreciate being able to play in their home arenas, even if it's without fans, which will be weird, especially since I, me personally, one of my favorite parts is just hearing all of that crowd noise In a hockey game, I think losing that takes away a lot of the soul from the game because they're really outside of like European soccer. There's no crowd that does crowd noise better than hockey since it's indoors and everything. I mean, you don't get the same kind of atmosphere at a football game or a baseball game or even an NBA game for that matter. They just don't have the same amount of... Of tension and explosions that you get from an NHL crowd. So hopefully, eventually, they can be brought back, but for the time being, just going to have to deal with it again like we did for the bubble playoffs. And that's about all the details that we have at the moment about the upcoming season. Obviously, a lot more information is going to be coming out in the coming days and in the coming weeks before they do eventually drop the puck. On the 2020-2021 season. Before we move on, I gotta address a pet peeve I'm gonna have with this season. Calling it the 2020-21 regular season. That's that's just not true. That's just not true at all. It's the 2021 regular season. The only part of this season that starts in 2020 is that the teams that didn't make the playoffs have one day of training camp on December 31st. Everything else is in 2021, yet this is still going to be called the 2020-2021 regular season, which is implying that any of this season is taking place in 2020. It's not. Everything that's happened in 2020 has been the draft and free agency. I mean, it's up to you whether you count those as being part of the old season or as the new season, but I'm just going to say right now, that is going to be something that is going to be on my nerves a lot this season for absolutely no reason. That's it's going to bother me. One day of training camp in 2020, everything else in 2021, I mean, let's just be honest, it's the 2021 regular season. That's all, that's all there is to it. And every time the season's going to be talked about, it's going to be called the 2020-2021 regular season. And I'm going to think every time in my head, that's, that's just not true. It's not. But, man, whatever. Where it's such a, such a small thing to be bothered about, we're getting hockey back. That's the important part. Actually, while we're on the topic of annoying things that are going to be taking place during the 2021 NHL season. The NHL is going to be approving helmet ads for the 2021 season. Now, I recently wrote an article about this. If you want to see it more in depth, you can read it at fansided.com. But this is a double edged sword because obviously the NHL is going to need revenue this season and they're not going to get it from the gate because at least for the initial part of the season fans are not going to be allowed in the arena so they're gonna need to bring in some form of money and helmet advertisements do that however this is going to be a very very slippery slope and i just hope that these helmet ads are not going to be that noticeable. I mean eventually we got used to board ads when those were introduced and even now as they spiral out of control they don't take away from the game and unless the cameras are zoomed in you're not really going to see the ads but my worry like I said about a slippery slope is that these are going to start leaking onto the jerseys and like Elliot Friedman reported once this helmet ad report started to come out a few weeks ago or last week, that they will inevitably start to go on to the jerseys, maybe even as soon as this season or next season. It's almost an inevitability. And once it goes to one, maybe it'll just keep going up because NHL owners just see, oh, it's more money, it's more money, what's the problem? And that and then eventually Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen step on the ice looking like a NASCAR with McDonald's ads and Coca-Cola ads plastered all over them. So I just hope this doesn't lead to something much worse because I can tolerate helmet ads for the time being. I understand the purpose. It's going to bring in some money and it'll be especially very good for those... just smaller market teams like Arizona and Florida to just put in some injection of cash in a season where they're going to be losing money by the bucket every day. But the second these are going to leak onto the jerseys is when myself and I'm sure several other people are going to start being bothered by it. Because the jerseys... Most of the jerseys in the NHL are really nice. They don't need anything else, least of all in advertisement. And once it gets one, I worry it's gonna turn into two front and back, and then maybe on the top and bottom. And if you haven't seen a European hockey jersey, look it up right now. They're ridiculous, They're, they're gross. They're covered in ads, they're basically billboards. And I don't want the NHL to turn into that. I understand that the NHL doesn't make as much money as the other three major American sports, but that does not justify this. I understand the helmet ads. I don't want them to be forever, but I understand them. Let's just stop it right here. Stop it right now. You get the helmet ads, nothing else. Gary Bettman, if you do anything, please keep up the good fight. And keep advertisements off of the player uniforms. Please. Anyway, I did want to move on and touch on this Nathan McKinnon interview that he had with NHL.com earlier this week on December 18th. I love Nathan McKinnon. He is just... He is exactly what you want. And not just an athlete, but your star player. He is... He takes his job very seriously, and he wants to be the very best version of himself, but the way he phrased some of his answers in this interview were very funny. So in an interview he had with the the High Button podcast uh, earlier this week, they asked him uh, if he believes Colorado are the popular choice to win the Stanley Cup this season, and his response was, I guess we're the favorites or whatever for this season. I guess it's a shortened year, but we're excited. He continued to say, I think the big thing, though, is we need to focus on the process of things. We're not going to win a cup in January to start the season or in training camp. Uh, We need to take care of training camp, get better every day. I know it's cliche, but it's true. Play well every night, grow, fix the things, and hopefully head into the Stanley Cup playoffs flying. It's all about the cup for me, and I think the guys on the team would agree. I mean... And all of that's correct, but just to be like, yeah, I mean, I I guess we're the favorites or whatever, I guess we're one of the best teams in the league is such a is such like a, a hockey answer. But I mean, he's got the right mindset and everything coming into the season. I love that this guy's on the team. He he takes his job very seriously and he's very good because of it. And also they asked him if how it feels to argue be the best hockey player in the world, his response is, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. You just said, my whole life I just wanted to make the NHL. My goal wasn't to be the best player in the NHL. My goal in my third or fourth season was just to be the best version of myself. Honestly, I was a decent player my first couple years, but I never thought I would get to this level. I'm in a good place and still trying to get better, feeling better every year. Nathan McKinnon. You are, at worst, the second-best hockey player in the world. Perhaps only behind Connor McDavid. You can make the argument either way at this point in time. Just be like, eh, I don't know. He's not satisfied, and I think, coming into this season, I think that Game 7 loss to Dallas last season, especially the way it happened, I think is really eating at him. And I think he is going to come out like a man possessed once this season gets started, and especially once it gets to the playoffs. Because last year in those playoffs, he had a point in every single game except the Game 7 against Dallas. And Nathan McKinnon strikes me as the kind of guy where that's all he thinks about. Just doesn't care that he scored a point every other game. He didn't score a point when he needed to the most. And... He's not like a lot of other like star players in the league, while well, like, like I said earlier, arguably second best. you can argue that he's first. Connor McDavid, the way I differentiate them, Connor McDavid is an amazing player. He's dazzling to watch. His skill and everything when he's on the ice is exceptional and frankly one of a kind. But when I watch Nathan McKinnon play. It is terrifying because he might not have like the crazy dekes that McDavid has and everything. He'll just go right through you if he has to. He can go around, dude, because he's just that good. But he'll also just run right through you if he has to. Oh, you want to drop the gloves with him? Well, he also boxes on the side and knows how to fight, and he will just crush you in that too. I mean, they're not the same player at all. They're both extremely fast. I mean, McDavid's top speed is faster, but McKinnon accelerates a lot better. He's a much better power skater. It's a, it's a difference between skill and power between them. I'd be afraid of getting embarrassed by Connor McDavid, but I'd be afraid of getting humiliated by Nathan McKinnon if I were to go head-to-head with one of them in hockey. I gotta say, I really hope that McKinnon gets his due in the Hart voting this year for MVP. I mean, he should have won it in 2018 when Taylor Hall won it. And in my opinion, he should have won it last year too. I mean, Leon Draisaitl has Connor McDavid on his team, who most people agree is the best player in the world. And McDavid only missed like a handful of games and sure, Dreisaitl was good in those, and he led the league in points. But there's already an award for most points. They, they give you the Art Ross for that. So why do you need to win the heart as well? McKinnon, the next closest forward to McKinnon in terms of points on the avalanche that season was Burakovsky, who had a great season, but Nathan McKinnon had almost double his total. Meanwhile, Leon Dreisettle did lead the league in points, but Connor McDavid was in second. So, how was he the most valuable player to his team if he has Connor McDavid on his team, who you can argue is more valuable than Dreisettle or give and take? But McKinnon was the most valuable player in the league last year. And even in 2018, when Hall won it, it was really a coin toss. I would have given my vote to mckinnon i wasn't shocked that hall won but i thought last year's voting was just just awful i mean good on dry settle for for winning the art ross but i just believe that winning the art ross shouldn't automatically qualify you as the winner for mvp i just think that's ridiculous especially considering that the avalanche If McKinnon was not as good and didn't score 93 points in 69 games, the Avalanche simply would not have been as good last season. That's just a fact. I mean, they were missing Rantanen and Landeskog and several members of their offense and defense in several points of the season, and McKinnon would carry a lot of the time. And yeah, Dreisaitl was great, and he put up a ton of points. Not saying he didn't deserve recognition, But the definition of the award is for the most valuable player to his team. And it just wasn't dry. I could see the argument being made for Connor Hellebuck, who kept the Jets in the playoff conversation at all, or Artemi Panarin, who carried the Rangers on his back. I'd be willing to have conversations for MVP for them. But for Dreisaitl, he won it because he scored the most points. Let's just be honest. He won it because he scored the most points. And the people voting for the awards, they look at the points because they don't watch every single game. How could they? There's so many games on at a time normally. You can't possibly watch all those games at once. But to give him the award based on points is completely unfair. So I I really hope this season that McKinnon does get his due. I mean, he might just straight up win the Art Ross outright, and if that's the case, he'll probably win the award for MVP anyway, so we won't even have to worry about it. But even if he doesn't, I really hope, as long as as he deserves it, which in all likelihood he will, considering just how friggin' good he is, I hope he gets his due. Because he deserves it. He deserves at least one MVP. And it's gonna be hard with McDavid coming back healthy and everything. I mean... He'll likely lead the league in points again, so for everyone else, it's an uphill battle, but I hope he gets his due. He deserves it. But moving on from that, let's get into our Around the NHL segment, where we'll be looking at some news going on around the league. Uh, Obviously, there was a new season announcement. I think I might have mentioned that earlier, but there was some free agency news recently. Uh, finally someone is decided to sign one of the many good free agents left on the market in this case Anthony Duclair he goes to the Florida Panthers on a one-year contract worth 1.7 million dollars and my question is why did that take so long exactly anthony duclair 25 year old anthony duclair who had 23 goals last season and 40 points and he was one of the many very good free agents still left on the market which includes mike hoffman mikhail Gronlund, eric Halla, sammy vatnan travis hammenick all these guys still don't have teams and duclair up until a few days ago didn't as well so, good on Florida and general manager Bill Zito for doing a bold thing and signing a good player with the cap space that they have. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that'd be such a bold move, but apparently it is. And I swear, like NHL GMs are scared of their own shadows sometimes. Like there are good players on the free agency market and you can sign them at any time whenever you want and you can just and then just have them you don't have to trade for them or anything you can just then have a good player like let's say you sign Mike Hoffman what what's he gonna cost three million dollars that's a lot less than he would have cost in a normal season and if you're a team that has cap space what's the holdup? like Columbus, like, you want more goal scoring, right? You're a defensive team, but you couldn't score many goals in the playoffs. What's the holdup in potentially signing Mike Hoffman and getting maybe 25 goals? Well, probably less this season because obviously shortened season, but 25-goal pace. You can just—you can sign him. He's, he's right there on the market. No one has signed him, and then he can just be yours, and then you can still have— six million dollars in cap space to just feel good about and have that burn a hole in your pocket because cap space doesn't play for your team free agents do you just have to sign them so florida gets a good player for less than two million dollars and my bet is he'll plug in on their second line or at worst their third line and if he's not that good at the end of the season he'll walk and they won't have lost anything for it. So I just don't understand why... Maybe now that the season is announced and there's a training camp coming up, maybe now teams will finally start signing these guys. I mean, I mean, really, Mike Hoffman is still available? I mean, Matt Barzal, a restricted free agent in New York, still hasn't signed a contract. Not Pierre-Luc Dubois in Columbus, like... Sorelli in Tampa, like you can scroll down the list of free agents there. You go to the end of the page, you're pretty much still on like notable players, maybe not all notable, but like, I know their names and they don't have a team. Is this, is, this, is the flat salary cap that terrifying that you don't want to spend any money even on just a one year contract? to make your team better this season? And maybe increase your chances of making the playoffs or winning the Stanley Cup or anything like that? I mean, to turn this back into the Avalanche, the Avalanche, they don't really have a ton of cap space to make a move like that right now. As I mentioned on the last episode, they have 1.8 million in cap. They could assign Duclair and still but under the cap, but they probably still need room for some picking around the edges moves like if they need to call players up and everything because of the newly announced taxi squad and all that. And actually, one thing I didn't mention earlier is that teams are going to be required to carry a third goalie, no matter what, and it's all going to count against the cap. Obviously, just in case goalies get hurt and everything or test positive, they're going to need another guy. They don't want another David Ayers situation like they had for Carolina last year in Toronto, despite the fact that that was hilarious, but so for most teams, that's going to end up eating, like, an extra league minimum to 900000 in cap space. But for these other teams, like, especially ones that don't have RFA signings coming up, like, Nashville has $12 million in cap space. All they have to do is sign newly acquired Luke Cunnan, who's not going to cost that much money. Like, you can, do, you can do something whenever you want, but you just got to do it. But anyway, Duclair to Florida, $1.7 million. Doesn't really affect the Avalanche. Like I said last episode, the Avalanche are done. And Chosakic definitely does not fall into that category of general managers scare their own shadow. That guy made two big trades like we talked about last show for Taze and Sod, and made his team better. What a surprise. A GM who makes his team better in the offseason, even if the salary cap stays flat. But that's going to do it for me today on another edition of the Tell It, Abs It Is podcast. Follow me on Twitter at G Young's NHL and follow the show at Tell It, Abs It Is. Uh, if you have a question you'd like to have read on the show, send them to our open DM inbox. I'd love to start doing a QA and a sometime in the near future. Next time we talk, we will preview the now official NHL season and take a deep dive into that West division and how the Avalanche stack up against those other seven teams. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in and start spreading the news. Hockey is coming back.